Hey, what is up, everybody? This is Rob Rivera. And this is Rob Rucha. And you're listening to the Robcast Podcast. Podcast. Bienvenidos a Robcast Podcast. Episodio número 6 con Brandon Cook. El mundo. Oh, you gotta leave that in there. Hold on. I'm gonna say it. I already got it. Okay. What I said is welcome to episode 6. Of the Robcast Podcast. Of the Robcast Podcast. With our guest, Brandon Cook of Black and Blue. If anybody knows uh, of that band, they're like an 80s person. They were, I guess, considered a hair metal band, but I don't know. I thought they were a lot edgier and like kind of heavier than most of the it wasn't hair glam metal, metal bands. Yeah, you know, they, they, like they had the hair, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. But they, there was a grit about it that I just couldn't put them with your poisons or your rats or your it wasn't the glam in the sense of the glam as yeah they didn't wear like lipstick or any of that stuff i mean they had they had the flashy clothes but there was something a little bit more real about them kind of almost i feel like more garagey sounding Mm -hmm. you know and i remember seeing that video for hold on to 18 way back in the day from their debut album i just love the singer's voice because he didn't sound like anybody that was out there he actually uh Actually, sang in Warrant for a little bit. Wow, he did sing so in Warrant can, for a little bit. I think Jane. I think Janie was still alive. I think he was just really sick, mm-hmm. had the health issues. But I, I'm not sure if Janie had passed. I think now they have this guy named Robert Mason that sings with Warrant. But uh, Jamie St. James, that's the singer in Black and Blue. He was uh, um, the singer in Warrant for a little bit. And Brandon Cook is actually not an original member. He replaced Tommy Thayer, who is now in Kiss. And wow. he does the Ace Fraley part of Kiss. And and I met Brandon. I, actually, I don't even remember how the hell I met Brandon. But we were playing in Portland at the Hawthorne Theater. And he came out. It was a little taco joint next door. And I sat down with him and talked. Had a very good conversation about music. Amazing guitar player. Uh, I mean, I've seen videos. Now he's playing with one of my my good friends, Kyle, who is the drummer for 36 Crazy Fist. I cannot remember the name of the band. To save my life. But he's going to say it. And then I'm going to say it afterwards. I don't remember right now. <laughs> I'm still bus lagged <laughs> on the fucking red tape tour. But uh, yeah, Brandon, uh, uh, really, really cool guy. Uh, I enjoy talking to him. Just loves music. I mean, you can tell he takes his instrument very, very serious. And uh, yeah, we're going to give that dude a call right now. Come on, work. Rob, are you there? Yo. Okay, Brandon, meet the other Rob. What's up, Rob? Hello. (laughs) It doesn't get confusing. How are you doing? Yeah, no, no. That's why we call it the Robcast Podcast. So uh, um, um, thank you very much for being on the show. Really appreciate it, man. Um, Just want to chat with you, kind of get to know you, kind of let the uh, readers, not the readers, the listeners, sorry, the listeners (laughs) Uh, uh, get to know you better. I know we chatted a little bit in Portland when uh, Nonpoint came into town, and yeah. there was a, a couple of things that you had told me. So first, I mean, you are a veteran of the Portland metal scene, correct? Yeah, that's right. I've been in the Portland rock metal scene since about 1999, 2000, something like that, and been just working around here and, you know, doing a little bit of traveling and stuff like that, too. Um but uh, that's—I just didn't start really working until um, 
I got into this Guns N' Roses tribute band and we started uh, doing a lot of touring over the nation and uh, done quite a few shows and really built up like a tribute scene in Portland where there wasn't one before. I mean, a lot of people have some controversy towards that, but to us, we just kind of went like, well, if we're going to do this, we better be the best at it. So true, <laughs> we've, uh, we've really worked really hard to be like, you know, the top Guns N' Roses tribute band in, in the world. That's one of yeah. our goals. So did, did you play the Slash part, the Gilby Clark part, or the Izzy Stradlin part? Uh, yeah, I always play Slash. So. Okay, yeah. All right, cool. He, the, he, he, he is the coolest of the guitar players in the band. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> so, uh, so basically, I mean, that was like kind of your thing there for a while in Portland? Yeah, that, that's been the, the longest running thing I do. I still do that a little bit. Uh, here and there but we're we have the other guys have other tribute bands and i've been doing black and blue and some other original projects that sort of take away my time so i only do about mm, maybe like somewhere between five and ten shows a year with them so you know uh it's it's it helps pay the bills when i'm not out with black and blue or or something else so um it just kind of gets the job done you know so so basically all you do is play music for a living yep that's that's my uh that was one of my goals when i set out to do it and uh i teach guitar and play music and and there are some other little side side hustles that i have like i do some uber drive-in and um but other than that it's all music yeah i i do the uber eats i deliver food sometimes oh yeah yeah it's it's all it's all good man anything for the i love that you say that the side hustle (laughs) yeah (laughs) So, so um now, getting to Black and Blue, I mean, Black and Blue has been around for, God, I don't know, my, oh, well over 20 years, correct? Uh, yeah, they've been since 1984 was their first release, but they they have, them and Tommy Thayer, Tom, Jamie and Tommy really kind of started the whole thing in a band called Hell in like 1979 or something like that. Okay, so where, wh- how did you become a uh, guitar player of Black and Blue? And you replaced Tommy, correct? Um, I replaced uh, Jeff Warner, who was uh, Jeff, uh, okay. the illustrious. <laughs> and uh, the way the way that kind of went down was uh, our former guitar player Sean Sunshine. He was gonna leave the group because he was having some 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 marital issues, and he saw me playing with my Guns Band, and they went. He went. I think that guy could replace me. I think you guys should call him. And it ended up that Whoop left the band because he was having some health issues and Sean stayed and I, I joined the band. It ended up being a really nice boost for, for really getting to play at a higher level. And, and man, playing with Pete Holmes, man, Pete and Patrick really just like drive me to be like a different level of excellent, you know, when I play with those guys, it's just just a rhythm section from hell, man. I love playing with those guys. So, so were you familiar with Black and Blue already? Yeah, you know, I had a few friends that were that were buds with Patrick, and I'd seen them live a couple times, and they were, you know, clearly like one of the best bands out of Portland I've ever seen. You know, just they had that LA swagger on stage, and it's like, oh, okay, these guys are good. You know, they they really like just it was just different you know they 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 didn't play the same by the same rules that everyone else did and yeah and it, it's funny you mentioned la swagger because i honestly thought 
at one point that black and blue was from LA. Well, in, in a way they were, I mean, like they all moved to LA for a long time. You know, they lived there for most, most of the eighties and Jamie and Pete still live there. So, okay. I mean, Pete, Pete's and rat. So, you know, I mean like half the band now lives there and then three of us live up here. So we're, okay. you know, they are technically an LA band, you know, once they relocated out, out of Portland, cause Portland, they didn't really get much play. They had, they had sort of like a local following that everyone knew they were kind of better than the local crew. And, you know, one of their former bass players, Todd Jensen ended up playing with Alice Cooper and David Lee Roth and all kinds of people. So like okay. the people that were, they were running in circles with were just really, really blowing up. So yeah, that, it, that, that first record, I mean, I, when I saw the video for hold on to 18, I was like, for the first time, I was so blown away because, uh, Jamie has such a different voice yeah. than, than, than anybody else. Like, you know, and, and he, uh, I, I think he sang in Warrant for a little bit, right? That's correct. Yeah. He, I think it was from 2004 to 2008, something like okay. that. Like what and did, had Jane, had Janie passed, passed away at that time or he just replaced him? I think Jamie was still alive. Janie was still alive. And okay. Jamie replaced him for a minute and then they brought him back for just like six months and then they kicked him out of the band and hired Rob Mason and right after right after that he died. Something okay. like that. I think that was how it went. I'm not exactly sure of the history, but that's pretty what my recollection is. So is so. black and blue and how active is black and blue currently right now? Right now we are doing like probably like four or five shows a year, most of the mostly like flyouts. We're trying to get actually some more stuff going, um, but right now the the booking for the you know our level band is you know it's hard because like there's a lot of like there's a lot of high level bands still trying to do it it's like like yeah. Lynch Mob is reformed and like you know after, at, with the the Monsters of Rock crews a lot of the the classic bands like Extreme. There's Tom Kiefer, you know, Vince Neal's all out there doing it. And for us to get the money that we need on the same festivals with those guys who are getting the real dough, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to fit in, you know, cause they I have to like, yes. they have to rotate us out. You know, it's like, Oh, we need this. We'll try trickster this year. And then we'll try Taiketo this year. And now we'll do black and blue. And so, you know, I do my best to just kind of like stay in good graces with everybody and be like, Hey, you know, when you need us, we're here, you know, because yeah. the band is still just like, I mean, we did a show with, with Jimmy DeAnda on drums, man, and it was just at M3, and it was just devastating. Just really good show. We got the last second call because uh, this guy from a, a band, I can't remember what the name of the band is right now, but he died. He was going to die of cancer, so they, can't, they had to back out. And uh, we got the call, like, probably four weeks in advance, and man, pulled it together and just we opened up for kicks and just destroyed it man it was so awesome so jimmy, great... jimmy deanda he's the bullet boys drummer right that, yeah right he's he played with he's, Bull, he's he, got a he's 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 good he's got a real good groove that guy oh man the dude playing like him him and pete are real similar drummers he he didn't play with a click uh when we played live with him and pete usually plays with a click so like where pete ends up being real up the middle just totally driving hardcore because the click really keeps you there. Uh, Jimmy just like he, his groove is, was really different, you know, 
just a little more behind the beat, you know? I love that. So, yeah. so did it, was it a, did the songs feel different to you playing with Jimmy? Yeah, they did. You know, they, they felt a little bit, you know, probably a little more lively just because there was some push and pull, you know, with like the, like the verses laid back a little more and the, the choruses drove a little more guitar solos drove a little bit more. The fast songs were a little faster because there wasn't that click just holding you into place. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, I'm not, I'm not a click player live. I mean, I obviously use it in the studio, but I don't use it live. I, yeah, I just, I, I, I've tried it sometimes when my engineer, which is my partner, Rob on the other line, he comes out mm -hmm. and records us, you know, if we want to have like a really tight, tight performance and, you know, for any editing purposes or whatever, you know, right. but uh, I, I try not to play to a click. And the last show he actually recorded us, uh, well, the second to last show, I didn't play to the click. And I actually was on that night really well. Like, I nice. felt re I felt really good, you know. So, but uh, I mean, there's there's pros and cons of playing to a click, you know. As mm -hmm. With playing to a click, obviously, you're going to have a tight show. And if you have a light show, it'll go well. Just everything, you know, will go on time. But playing without mm -hmm. a click, there's just that freedom. If you just want to slow things down, you want to just bust into this blues groove, mm -hmm. but you have to slow it down. You can't really do that with a click. You know, that's all about, it's all, all about feel, you know, you can't really do that with a click. So. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And you know, when I saw you guys play in Portland, I, I was, I really, cause you had mentioned that at dinner that you didn't play with a click. And I was like, I was really impressed at how you, your pocket just like it had that push and pull a swagger of like, you know, a live band that plays together all the time. You know, you guys move together. You know, if you if you pushed a little bit, they all went with you. And it wasn't like, what's Rob doing back there? You know, it's like <laughs> everybody knew. And it, it felt awesome, you know, to oh, watch. Thank Nomboy. you, man. I Just, appreciate that. Yeah, because you guys do have a kind of a bluesy feel to your to your band, too. You know, it's, it's heavy as fuck, but like, you know, you guys do have that blues element in there. We can Is that conscious? Down. No, we can. I mean, when Nonpoint first started, obviously, uh, it wasn't anything goes type of role. You know, we, yeah. we like, we like hip hop. We like techno music, we like metal, hardcore, thrash, rock, blues. We just threw it all in there and mm -hmm. we just like put it on the blender, you know, basically. And that's like me personally, <clears throat> one of my favorite things is to jam blues. Mm -hmm. I guess I just can just stay with the steady beat and just let the guitar, like me and the bass and the other guitar, just stay and just let the lead guitar player just take it home, you know, just take or take it, take it somewhere. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and it's pretty, it's been pretty, uh, dominant in our music over our career. Like we'll throw in some blues, bluesy type stuff, you know, that's just, yeah. and, and we'd like to throw in Latin type stuff too in there too. So, that's but, cool. uh, I'm, we try to do everything, you know, that we can, you know, just to, I don't know, make things interesting. We don't want to be like a one dimensional type Absolutely. of thing. So, you know, and, and that could be a pro and a con, but to me, it's a pro because I, and to all of us, you know, we get personal satisfaction of our, out of our music, you know, so. Mm -hmm. But uh, also, uh, uh, and at the dinner, at the dinner that we had, um, yeah. you mentioned a little story about Marty Friedman. Oh, yeah. To, to me, uh, you kind of want to, like, kind of share that with us? Yeah, well, the there's two and there's two ends of that story. Like, like the, the, the front end is, like, I, when I got out of music school, I was completely, like, just driven to get into the music biz i was married and like i wanted to make sure that was maintained so i didn't really want to move anywhere but i was like okay you know it's funny that today's 9 11 because this is really the day that sort of like okay i have to do this you know 
you know, we live in a country that's free and I'm going to go for it now. You know, this is where I draw the line and I'm going to go make my stuff happen. And the, from just from that impetus, it, it drove me to like start finding people that were like-minded and like really trying to play at the top of their game, at least like at the, you know, the amateur level that I was at coming out of music school, you know, a lot of people think that you come out of music school pro and now you still need to be seasoned, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, that all that pushing to that. And then the reason was part of the reason to all this was like on nine 11, it was, I, I had met Al Petrelli the day before and, and I was supposed to have a lesson with him in Seattle and on nine 11, their show in Seattle got canceled because the planes at the tower and yeah. like i didn't i was i called him and i'm just like dude i left a message and like because his his wife was like downtown you know new york city when that was all going down wow and so about six months later i found an al petrelli ad for lessons because megadeth blew up and they weren't doing anything anymore so al was like well i'm doing lessons here you know i can't let you just come out here for a lesson you know, do you have a vacation or something planned? So I I just planned a whole vacation to go out and study with Al. And the, in the interim of all that happening, there, this thing came out with, you know, they were, it was Jimmy DeGrasso, Al Petrelli, Marty Friedman, and David Ellison. They were going to start a band called the X Megadeth Project. And they, I don't know if that was the name, but that was like the working title. So I, I like in the interim, I put in like my demo, you know, cause I had, I had recorded a, um, I had recorded a demo around that time and they heard my stuff and they were like, they put me on the short list for being a singer for that project. And I was like, no way, you know, like my, I had my demo in and my photograph. And when I met Al for my lesson, he was like, Hey, I've got your picture on my, on my desk at home. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh really? <laughs> That's awesome. That's weird. So <laughs> I like sort of systematically went through all those guys, like, you know, like, you know, you know, Al was really super cool and he was like really understanding about like what, you know, this was early, like June, 2002. And he was really just like totally understanding about how driven I was. So he, he set me up with like going and watching a sabotage rehearsal. Do you know sabotage? Yes, I do. From Florida. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so like they they were becoming Trans Siberian Orchestra at that time, like really kind of pushing it pretty far to be Trans Siberian. But they were doing their very last sabotage tour, and I got to see Jeff Waters from Annihilator rehearsing with those guys. It was insane. It was like you know they were no perfect, and they were like, oh, there's a little pitchiness going on there, and you know just how accurate they were with liveness. And I was like, oh, so this is how good it has to be. So. Al sends me on home and, you know, I go back and I'm just totally freaked about, you know, getting to have that experience. And I saw Marty Friedman was putting out a new record. So Marty, uh, he didn't know who I was, of course. So I messaged Al and I'm like, hey, what do you think? Do you think this is something that I should try for, you know, to I don't know if he's doing a tour or anything, but if he's gonna, I want to be the guy. And he was like, just tell me, you know me. So I felt really lucky that Al was cool about things like that. You know, I, I wouldn't call Al like a friend, but he was very nice to me when I was, you know, coming up. You know, he kind of mentored me a little bit about professionalism and stuff. So, 
you know, I just started going for going after Marty Freeman after about, after about eight months of sort of sending demos back and forth so that he could hear what I sounded like. He finally agreed to let me come to Japan where he had just moved to on the basis of, cause I was going to go there that summer with my, with my wife at the time, you know, my ex-wife was Japanese. So we were going to go to Japan anyway for that summer. I said, I'm going to be there, dude. If you don't, if you don't like my playing, I'll just chalk it up as lessons. It's fine. So he was like, deal, but be ready. <laughs> Cause it could happen at a moment's notice. And I was like, okay. So I, I got set to work to practicing a bunch of Marty Friedman songs and trying to, you know, get myself, um, up to that, up to that level. And, you know, Marty was very, you know, when I met him, he was very relaxed and cool about like how things were going to go. And he just kind of vibing me out and everything. So I'm like, I'd like to do this again at the end of it. You know, we played a few songs together and like probably five or six. And he was like, okay, you know, pretty good. You need to work on your rhythm. And he was real like kind of guitar teacherish about it. Just like, he didn't really like tell me like if there was any problems. So I went home and practiced. I was like, work on my rhythm. I got this, man. This is going to be great. I'm going to have this gig. And uh, so the next time I get together, and there's a second time, he, this is like my, this is one of my guitar teacher, like lessons that I teach to my kids. You know, like the, if I see somebody has like real potential, I teach them this lesson because this is the, this is what taught me how to be a real musician, you know, like, you know, if that's a thing, you know, so we sit down and I had brought my metronome with me and I was like, so I was like, do you want to use this? Cause I know you guys probably play the click live. And he was like, yeah, let's use that. And he's kind of smiling. I'm like, Oh, what does that mean? <laughs> so we sit down and we start playing hit. Marty Friedman is just like, obviously you've heard his solo material, right? Yes. Pretty much. Yeah. And yeah, it's an insane. So like he, he had like, uh, he had me learning songs off of his new record at the time called music for speeding. And it's just, it's just mind boggling. I love the stuff. And, and I still love that record with, with all my heart. And so Marty, I start playing and he's like, Oh, you're splitting up. Oh, you're dragging up. Oh, you're speeding up. And I really was, I mean, in retrospect, I was, but at the time I didn't feel it. You know, I would, I didn't realize how much I was flexing on the time. Cause I had never done that before you know, with a, with a musician. I'm like, how are you talking to me while you're playing? And he's just like shredding his mind out. Right. And talking to me, like, like we're talking right now. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. So uh, I'm like, he's like emotive when he's speaking. It's not just like, you know how some people talk when they play and it's like, they can barely talk and they're like, Oh yeah, play that thing. And they mess up or whatever. Yeah. No, it was absolutely no perfect playing, talking to me in a regular conversation tone. Wow. And it totally threw me off. And I'm like, why are you talking to me? And he's like, well, you're messing that part up. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't understand. You know, like I'm playing your parts. And he goes, no, you're attempting to play my parts. And he wasn't trying to be mean at all. He was actually like, you know, if I'm, if, if, if I'm getting the tone across about this, he wasn't being mean. He's like, he's just teaching me, you know, he's like, yeah. this is how this works. You know, this is the way the music business and this is how playing in like Megadeth or like, you know, you know, professional bands that record for a living like Nonpoint or Black and Blue or whatever. This is how it works. You have to be this good and you have to be at the level of the 
of the group that you are intending to play with. And he spent probably three or four hours with me that day, just schooling me. And like, at one point I got kind of frustrated because I, I didn't know what was going on. I was just hand, getting my ass handed to me like, like a young boxer, like in the ring with Muhammad Ali or something, you know, it's like <laughs> that that's, I mean, that's what I was. I was like an amateur boxer trying to fight with Muhammad Ali. And he was just like laughing at me, you know, like, you know, in a way like, oh, I, I know you're going to get this kid, but you're not there today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I finally just got frustrated and I'm just like, dude, why are you picking on me so much kind of thing? And he's just like, well, this is, this is how good, or this is how you have to be. This is the level, dude. I'm not like being mean. I'm just, this is the way it is. And so I, I spent the last hour and a half just asking him questions like, okay, what am I doing wrong? And he just explained it to me systematically, like what it was I need to do to be able to play in a band like his. And I've never been so blessed in my life to have that complete ass kicking that day. You know, he just really, he didn't read me any riot acts or get mad at me or anything like that. You know, some guys at that level are not that nice. You know, they're really like, they can yeah. be mean, Very, but like, uh, I, I know I relate. I can relate. <laughs> yeah. And Marty, he was just like, he was really cool. And he, he was like, this is what I want you to do. I want you to work on these six songs and only these six songs and call me when you're ready. And so I had a couple of like trips planned while I was in Japan. So I, it was going to be like a few weeks before I got back to him. And in that time he found somebody and it was Ron Jarzombek from Spastic Inc. And like uh, blotted science. Yeah. He's just an unbelievable guitarist, man. Like it's just so he's so ridiculously good. It's like, you know, and he told me who it was when he told me when he told me he found someone. I was like, oh, and I was still just too stubborn to quit. And I was just like, look, before you announce it, anybody, it's like I put a lot of time into this and I've invested a lot of energy. And would you be willing to give me one more shot at this? And he was like, all right. So he didn't announce it like he held the announcement of, of the of the role because I, I spent like four weeks pulling a Rocky montage in my, my practice room, like trying to da -da 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 -da, like practicing the riffs <laughs> and totally like taking it to town, trying to make, you know, getting strong now. And finally I, I got, I went back to his apartment and this, that's the weirdest thing. I was like jamming with Marty Friedman, like two feet away from him in his apartment. And uh, so he's just like, you know what, man, you really got better. You know, I can tell that you did the work and you know these songs and you're really good, but it's not there yet. You have to do this live on stage while you're headbanging and like doing it and spinning around and doing the whole like live performance thing. You're not there yet. And I went, okay, that's all I can do. You know, I did the best thing I could do. And he's like, well, when we get to the States and we get dates booked, be ready. Because if something doesn't work out with this guitar player, it's not going to be you know, hey, we get rehearsals, it's going to be like, there's a plane ticket in your email box, get on a plane, you know, so I went, okay, and I spent the next two months, like, continuing to woodshed, and the, it was a, it was a really an insane learning experience for my life, you know, doing that, and about, mm, let's see, it's like 12 years later, 
uh, he was doing a tour with a you know, with this guy Jordan Ziff, who's who's all, who's in Rat with Pete Holmes. Yeah, uh, he he's just an insane guitarist, man. So I got I went there having no idea this was going to happen, and he started inviting people up to play in live in portland so i walked to the front of the stage and I, he's like who's man enough to get up here and jam with us so i walked to the front of the stage and i wave at him and he's like that guy because he remembered me we we had had a we had one email conversation but he didn't say he was going to do that <laughs> and oh, everyone's okay. like you knew didn't you and i was like no i had no idea so i got up and jammed with with marty live on stage so i kind of had my my uh my moment to shine from all that that and he's awesome. the reason I got he's the reason I'm here doing this music business today because he he had the the balls, you know, or just the kindness maybe to say you're not ready. You know, yeah. if you want if you want this you have to work harder. And and he just he's he taught me a, a real lesson that he you know, most people are too afraid to hurt your feelings or whatever and he just was like, "Well, you I see what you want to do and you're not there yet. Yeah. So well, I mean, it's good to, I mean, that's, it's like basically when you work with the producer and he tells you, you know, this part's not right or mm -hmm. it could be better. I mean, it's, it's basically, he was, like you said, he was being a teacher and that's, totally. what, te that's what teachers do. You know, I said, you're not there yet. You know, they, they could have easily said, Hey, you suck. Get out of <laughs> here type of deal. You know, he could have easily said something, but it's good that he took that role as a teacher. And then you made yourself, want to work harder more, yeah you know so it's that's i think that's very respectable him to do that yeah i you know i've all, i've been a student long enough you know that i mean i went you know having gone through music school i i was used to sitting two feet away from like complete jazz masters and trying to learn to swing with those guys you know like heavy really heavy hitters that they would invite to come you know play with us and you know you're sitting there going like ah, what's a two and a four you know <laughs> <laughs> and these guys are like, come on, swing. And you're like, I'm playing swing eighth notes. And they're like, no, that's not swinging. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. Well, yeah, I mean, but, uh, uh, so now for you, I mean, what's, what's, are you planning to just continue with black and blue? Or are you going to do your own stuff? Or, well, um, that's a good question. Um, I have, I have a project called the loyal order that is um, getting ready. We're doing our first show. Um, you actually know the drummer Kyle Baltus from Thirty Six Crazy Fist. Yes, he, I love. He's so good. Yeah, he's he's he speaks very highly of you too. Oh, um, thanks, man. Yeah, he, he. I was like, yeah, I, I, I had dinner with Rob the other day because we we met up right after you did, and he was like, he was like, oh my god, I love Rob. That, that guy's fucking right. So, <laughs> yeah, he but, uh, he is a fantastic drummer. Yes, he is, yeah. and he's he's playing his. He actually, I think. I think we're going in to record a song on Friday if we can get the schedules right because we're we're doing another new song. We we're, our record is going to come out sometime this fall. We haven't put a release date on it yet because we're working with Tom Hazart from EMP to do okay. promotions for for our last okay. single, and we're working on what the next what the 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 next promotion angle is for getting our record out. The Loyal Order is like and I should send. You, I'm not sure if I sent you the video. Um, but we did a song called Ready for Dead, and it's it's got over two hundred thousand views. I think it's two hundred sixty thousand views now. So well, when, when we hang up, just uh, text me the link. 
Okay. Yeah, I'll do that. And, but we've been, we've been really working hard on, you know, trying to, so we got, we got a couple people in the band. Like we got my buddy, Jeff Buner, who's, who's the bass player for rough cut, um, eighties, eighties metal band. And we got Patrick Young, who's who like Jeff, Jeff Buner is, he's a singer, my, and my co-writer. So he's, he's a, he's an insane bass player, but he's also a really, really great, you know, guitar or sorry, not guitarist, but like lead singer. And he's a songwriter, like really an amazing lyricist. And so we, we've, he and I have been working together to, for the last seven years to try to get this project off the ground, trying to find the right players and stuff. And I think finally we found like a really golden lineup, you know, the, so Kyle's on drums. Uh, he, he and I are singing and playing guitar and Patrick Young from black and blue is playing bass with us. Mm-hmm. And he is just like, he's just a devastatingly good bass player. Like he's got the downstroke picking thing that like, yeah. you know, it's kind of David Ellison ish when the way he plays, cause he, he plays a, um, he plays a, uh, he used to play a Jackson concert bass, just like Dave, but like yeah. before Dave was playing those basses. Um, but like he, he just hits really, really hard. And the, the combination of him and Kyle pounding the shit out of their rhythms, the rhythm section is just, Oh, it's so awesome. I'm, then, definitely, I'm definitely excited to hear this. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll definitely. And the, the guys in the video, they're different um, because we were we hadn't put together a lineup. And um, the drummer that we were using uh, most, like we used two drummers, one named Andrew Green, who played with my Guns N' Roses band, and another guy named Joe Mangus, who plays with the Eels. So he, like, we're we're trying to, like, you know, just really make a world-class level product. And, and, you know, the live show, it came down to this thing where it's like, okay, we've got to have players that can really play world-class because, you know, we, you only get one shot to make a band go. And it's like, if you don't have the players right from the beginning, it's, it's not going to work to me, you know? So we had to just find players that really play the way the ethic of this band works. And, they everybody really loves the music and uh not to forget like my co-guitarist is a very dear friend of mine named justin gibson who's well extremely respected guitar player in portland and you know back in the day like 15 years ago when i was studying with marty friedman or whatever he he was my guitar student but he's had like three or four successful bands that put out records in portland since then so he's just a veteran guitar player you know and really kicks ass and so like the team of he and i like we have the same basic ethic of playing guitar so it's a really really just stellar team of musicians that we have right now that's awesome man and and i i wish you nothing but luck with that and i'm definitely thank excited you. and dude want to thank you for coming on to the show and um we are not headed up in that area. I think we're only doing Seattle uh, in, in like in November or December. Are you but, talking the the Hell Yeah tour? Yes. Oh yes, man, so. I gotta come see that. Yeah, if you're coming out to Seattle, just hit me up and I'll, I'll take care of you and whatnot. So oh, awesome, um, thank you, man. But, but thank you so much for inviting me to to do this show and you know the kindness that you extend to me uh, when you when you come to town. I really just thank you so much. No problem. Do you take care of yourself and tell Kyle I said what's up? I will do that. And uh, uh, I wish you the best of luck with your podcast. I saw you had some really great, like Billy Grazaday and like David Ellison. Dude, I hope they're, they're really fun interviews. Yeah, man. You got to go listen to them. They're really informative for sure. Cool. I will do that. Thank you, man.
All right. Take care, brother. You too. Bye. Bye. Should we should we try to to get a song from Loyal Order? And, yeah, right? maybe maybe Brandon. There's a song here called Ready for Dead. Yeah, maybe, maybe we can put it, was it on. Released there. in 2019. All right, let's put it on there. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna play sure the Loyal okay. Order. Ready yeah. for Dead.
the Loyal Order. That's his uh, brand new project with uh, my buddy Kyle, who also plays drums for 36 Crazy Fist. And if you've not seen Kyle play, fantastic, fantastic drummer. And uh, a groove machine. I love that dude. Really cool guy, down to earth. But don't get drunk around him because he'll punch you. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, he'll punch you. He's if skinny, you, but he'll you punch you. If you get drunk? If you get drunk around him, start acting like a, like a douche. Oh, he'll check uh, you. He'll, 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 he'll check you. you. He'll check you hard. He'll put you down. Got it. I've seen it happen. So. Well, I was just the impressed man. I mean, he, he studied with Marty Friedman. I mean, that's like one of the best teachers you could possibly get. Yeah. I mean, to be able to, to not only study with him, but have that Im- impression, you know, and bring that out into the rest of the projects that you do. People are going to respect that just from a sense of, you know, the musical hierarchy that's out there. Mm-hmm. Like Marty Friedman is one of those names in the metal world that, you know, signifies holy crap guitar players, you know? Like, oh yeah. You know. I mean, it's, I mean, he's the, one of the best yeah. out there. I, I mean, loved, I loved all the, I mean, the Megadeth albums with him on it were, and he had a cacophony before that oh, yeah. with uh, yeah. Jason Becker. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a fantastic guitar player and, and still going strong. I mean, still he lives. I think he lives full time in Japan now and and still plays. He still plays. I think some of his guitar players that he's played with on his solo albums are are some of the same ones in Baby Metal. So you know, like, oh he's yeah. got that connection over there too. Of course. So, and um. I could see that. Yeah. yeah, and Brandon, I can I love Brandon's like like work ethic to get try to get that gig, you know, mm-hmm. and like he really really wanted that gig, you know, and, and, and I mean unfortunately he didn't get the gig, but he worked hard, you know. Yeah, you well know, it made him better no matter what. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He is an incredible learning experience. He didn't take nothing negative out of it. He actually used it to his benefit. Mm-hmm. And got better at his instruments. So yeah, it was a great talk with Brandon. I'm looking forward to hearing more of the Loyal Order. Yeah. And uh, man, I wish him all the success in the world. Uh, great guy. Uh, like I said I've known him for a real short time, but I got such a he has such a glow about him. You know, when we were talking, he was just so excited about talking about music, and it was just really cool to have him uh, on the you know on the show. And hoping that uh, you know I can run into him soon again. But anyway, thank you all for listening to this week. Like I said, check them out with Black and Blue. Uh, they play sporadic shows. They don't do much. But if they come to your town, go check them out. Say hi to Brandon. Tell them that you listen to them on the Robcast podcast. So right. take care, everybody. Next Later. week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Robcast podcast. Be sure and subscribe to get notified on future episodes. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Robcast Podcast. Feel free to send us comments and suggestions at robcastpodcast at gmail.com.